Last week, we did this naked and unashamed. Many of you were here for that. What we talked about was in church, in church, there can be no church discipline if there is no intimacy, right? If there's no intimacy. And so how can you have church discipline if there's no intimacy? You can't be removed from something you were never a part of. So we said, hey, on Sunday mornings, this is not church. If there's no true intimacy, no true naked and unashamedness inside of here. We can see each other every Sunday and know nothing about each other. I can see you. I can even know your name, but not know anything that you're going through because I'm scared to be naked and unashamed. I'm so worried about my resume that I will not let you into my background check. I don't want you to know me, and I don't want to be known. So everything that we've done this Sunday was based on that. If you've walked in here and been like, man, they didn't start at 1030. We never start at 1030. <laughs> Just, and if that's why you leave, well, that's who we are. It's not that we don't think order is appropriate, structure is appropriate, but we're waiting on some of our loved ones to get here. The program is not more important than the person. So we'll hold off just a couple more minutes because the person is so important to us. I'm sitting there, and if somebody says, Rashad, I'm on my way, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold off. I'm going to say, well, you know what? We'll wait another 10 minutes. You're that important to us. Our program is not that important to us. When we're here and, 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 and we don't have the slides up right now, it's because we're trying to teach our church family, that's a luxury. You know, before COVID-19, there were complaints that this slide had, the, like the bulb in this one was going out and this one was darker, and people were upset because we hadn't fixed that in six months. Is that what church is about? But these were some of the complaints. And then when COVID-19 caused us to protect the people and shut the doors, they start seeing, I just want to be with each other. I could care less about those slides. So we're not quick to try to put the slides back up for you. Why? Because we don't want that luxury to become your Lord. Where you look at the slides and why aren't the slides together? Why are they behind? And all we, is that what we're here for? So we've been doing things intentionally. Please understand, we have slides right? We have a projector. We have all those things that we understand is a part of American culture church. We get it. But before we get back to any of that, we want you to understand what the ecclesia actually is, what the church actually is, according to the Bible. So we've been walking and walking for the last month, asking ourselves, is this what you came for? Is this what you came for? And we've challenged ourselves why are you here? We, the, the, the graphic that we have is an empty cardboard box. Because you know what? This building is just an empty cardboard box. If you knew the history of this building, you would, you would know at one time it was a softball batting cage type thing. Another, I mean, it's been a Midwest remediation facility. Like, it's just a box, and what makes the church are the people gathered in it. So we are asking ourselves, is this what you came for? So going along with this naked and unashamed theme, I wasn't sure if Woodring was actually going to be here this morning. I wasn't sure if Clinton was going to play. And I said to myself, I want to do something that is completely out of my comfort zone as well. I think he's, I think he's mopping more so I can slip because he knows I walk. Amen. <laughs> I think it's good enough, Jason. No, don't touch the shoes. We'll, we'll talk about those later. So, um, so in the same way, today's sermon um, and just everything that we're doing. Every, well, yep. <laughs> no, everything we're doing is intentional. If you're here as a guest, we thank you that God brought you through the doors. We don't think it was because of the way we've programmed anything. We definitely don't think it's because of our toilets. <laughs> we don't think it's because of anything about us. God brought you here. Praise God for that. But we are unashamed of who we are. We're unashamed of it. And in a time where racial 
tension is, is at its highest, cultural tension is at its highest, we want to engage that instead of run away from it. The sermon I'm, I'm preaching today, I read the scripture, I read the scripture, but I didn't study it because I wanted to read it with you and unpack it with you. I wanted to be unashamed about it. What were you going to say? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll take it. All right. <laughs> um, but before I get to that, um, my grandma used to tell me about my great-grandma. And, and some of the times in slavery times, right? Mm-hmm. Who was a Christian. She was a Christian. And um, how it was hard for my grandma to understand how in everything she had went through, she was able to endure and still believe in this Jesus, this Jesus that the slave master taught her about. How? And she, she had a song, and I can't sing, but I'm going to sing. Yeah, they're like real naked and ashamed now, right? And it's a very simple song. It's an old Negro spiritual. Um, it's... I was talking to Brit the other night, my wife, and, and a lot of people don't know who my wife is. Brittany, I, I know she, uh, I'm, in, I'm on the couch now. That's Brittany back there, okay? I'm on the couch tonight, all right. Everybody call, check in on me. But, but, uh, <laughs> but I was talking to Brittany the other night. We were up really late, and I said, Britt, I, I think I need to sing this song because um, in the same way that I don't know how my, great-grandma, my great-great-grandmother got through, I don't know how a lot of you are getting through right now black, white, or whatever. Everybody's under a lot of stress and tension right now. And so I'm going to sing this song. I'm going to do each verse twice. That way, if you catch it, you can just catch on. It's very simple. I'm not a good singer, so give me grace. But um, this is the song my great-great-grandmother used to sing when times were troubling and all she had was Jesus. It's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It's not a all these other trigger words thing. It's a Christian thing. And so I'm going to sing like one verse of it, and then I'm going to repeat that verse. And if you feel like it, please join in with me. If not, then just listen. All right? I'll probably take this off because I don't know what it's going to sound like. Good morning, Church on the Rock! Good morning, Rashad! My name's Rashad, in case I didn't know. Um, I'm one of the pastors here as we prayed over the other one. I'm the, I'm the cool one. Uh, <laughs> uh, we do that not because of any glory for me at all. We do it simply to make sure you are here, you are awake, and you are ready to be in tune with the Word of God. My name is Rashad, not Rashad, not Rashid, and a whole bunch of other things that people have said. It's Rashad. We're going to do it one more time for those of you who are guests. Join in with us. We want to make sure they hear it down in my, my friend Pastor Dickerson. Dickerson church at Connection Point. So let's get real, real loud. Good morning, Church on the Rock! Amen. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Quick homework assignment. Anybody who wants a challenge, I dare you to read 1 Corinthians in one sitting with a lens on of everything going on in the church today regarding division. You can read the Bible with different lenses. Put a lens on, read 1 Corinthians all the way through with no interruption. Put some time to the side. That Netflix movie you was going to watch or that binge TV show you was going to do, put it to the side. And for one sitting, read all 16 chapters with the lens on of the division that's going on in the church. Not the world. The world's going to be divided. But why is the world in the church dividing the actual ecclesia? We need to get to that. So, once again, I haven't fully done my, my like, oh, here's the Greek this and all that, you know, like I normally do. No, no, no. I wanted to be naked and unashamed with you. I wanted to read it and just think about it as I'm going. I know that there's a section of Scripture I want to look at, which is like verses 19 through 23. So, if you're taking notes, that's going to be where we land But we got to do some context to see how we get there. I didn't want to read all eight chapters. You know I would, but I didn't want to do that to you. So we're just going to start at the beginning of chapter one. I mean, sorry, nine. 
<laughs> look at that. Everybody corrected me. No, we're not. And then when we get to verse 19, we'll really start pulling apart. But we want to see how we get to verse 19. So just be, be, be patient with me. I'm reading. I normally do the NASB, but um, this, is, this is just a fun Bible. I like reading the Christian Standard Bible. If anybody's looking for a good reader Bible, the CSB is a very good reader Bible. Um, I prefer the NASB, but this is a good reader Bible. I think it reads fun. So here we go. Chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. Paul says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not my work in the Lord? Are, are not you my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, at least I am to you because you are the seal of my apostleship to the Lord. It's just like this morning. I'm, I'm going to break a little bit of it down as we're getting there. But this morning I was talking to Katie and John up in the, in the booth. Raise your hands, Katie and John, because I want people to start knowing each other. Yeah, get uncomfortable, okay? <laughs> I want people to start knowing each other. So John does a lot of our IT here. Since he's come, God has gifted him in that area. He's been helping get things on track with our IT, and now we're not using it, of course. That's how it goes. But in the back, they were like, hey, we've really been growing under your teaching, growing under your leadership. And, and so Paul, they're, they're in 1 in, in Corinthians, they're, they're kind of challenging him as an apostle because there's these other apostles who are a little bit more eloquent. Maybe they use those big $5 million words. Maybe they dress better. I don't, whatever it is, they're like super apostles, right, in comparison to Paul who just preaches the gospel. He's just kind of plain and to the point, right? And so he's, they're challenging him, and he's responding to this like, am I not just like them? The ones that you're starting to be divided over in, fir- in, in the first uh, couple of chapters, they're divided over, hey, I'm of Peter or I'm of Apollos. Or like here, it would be like somebody said, hey, I rock with Pastor Jason. I'm only going to come to church when Pastor Jason's preaching. I don't know why you would do that. But if you did, that's what it would be like. I'm messing with you, Jason. I'm messing with you, right? And, and so he's like, even if the world says, Rashad, because of your background, you're not a pastor. Because of who I know you used to be, you're not a pastor. I should be able to point to my church family, and say, this is my proof, not for my boasting, but for what God is doing through me. It's not me. Trust me, it's not me. It is literally God at work. And the only confirmation I have to even be here right now, to be up this morning, is you. Like, when you show up, this is more confirmation from God that I'm supposed to be here. And so, and so Paul's looking at that like, you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. It's you. You're, you're, you're my proof. If, if people want to see proof of what I'm saying I am, I point to you. Every time people, they're like, Man, you got the Jordans on, you got the, you're a pastor? I'm like, oh, yeah, come see. Like, don't believe me. You know, I, I could tell you whatever I want to tell you, but how about you come see the people and talk to them? Don't talk to me. Talk to them, and they become my proof. But can you imagine what that looks like? When I'm talking to people in these convos, you guys know that with everything going on, I'm doing this program called Convos, where I'm having these tough conversations with people in the community, and they're like, oh, you're, you're a pastor. And I'm like, yeah. And they're, they're like, where? And I'm like, Church on the Rock. So they go to research Church on the Rock. They see a couple of members are added on the page, and then they go look at your Facebook. They go look at your Facebook. And then they come back to me and go, well, what are you preaching? What are you preaching? Because I went and looked at a couple of your members' Facebook, and I'm, I'm a little confused. Like, we had a great conversation, but what are you preaching? Because the people that follow you as you follow Christ, what kind of Christ are you following if that's what they're posting? You see that? Like, like you're, you're supposed to be the proof that we are in the Word of God. You're supposed to be that proof. And so I'm, I'm pointing people to Church on the Rock and they start looking at y'all posts and y'all living and your lifestyles, and it's not just a reflection of me, it's a reflection of the Christ you serve. What are we, what are we telling the world? What are we telling? I didn't study. I literally couldn't get past, like, <laughs> verse 2. Like, my bad, right? But, but let's keep going because I do want to get down to 19. He says, my defense to those who examine me is this. Because people are examining his ministry. He says, don't we have the right to eat and drink? Don't we have the right to be accompanied by a believing wife like the other apostles, the Lord's brothers and Cephas? 
Or do only Barnabas and I have no right to refrain from working? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit? Who shepherds a flock and does not drink the milk of the flock? He's going into, like, he's looking at the people who are questioning his ministry. And he's like, hold on, hold on. So Peter can have a wife, but I can't have a wife? That makes me less of an apostle? Or, 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 or like, Peter can get paid for what he does, but I need to be bivocational because I'm less of an apostle. Like, and what he's, he's doing these comparisons here, and he says, I'm saying this from a human perspective. So, like, the soldier working at his own expense, hey, soldiers, soldiers who are here, all, thank you for your service first and foremost, amen? Thank you for your service. But what would it look like if you had to pay to be in the, in the military? Like, you had to pay to be in the military. Like, we're not paying you to protect us. You had to pay to be in the military. That doesn't even make sense, right? He's like, so he's, he's looking at this like, hey, who, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard, vineyard and doesn't eat its own fruit? Who shepherds a flock and does not drink the milk from the flock? Am I saying this from a human perspective? Doesn't the law, the Old Testament, say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Is God really that concerned about the oxen when he says that? He's concerned about people, and he looks at the minister. And so, once again, I, I how do I say this? I'm going to be naked and unashamed. That's how I say it. <laughs> Me and my wife and my daughter, not to guilt trip anybody, but those of you who are closest to me know that secularly I was a recruiter, um, a director of recruiting. The call of God forced me with a conviction as deep as, as, as deep as anything, to go from making 100000 plus to 16000 in housing allowance. That's no glory for me. That's all God. Amen. But there were those who still questioned my motivations because I was a full-time paid minister. If you really loved God, you would do it for free. Where does it say that in the Bible? <laughs> right? Because, because when you're doing it the right way, don't get me wrong, we know that there are those who, who take advantage of this, but those of you, once again, you're my proof. I give my life for you. You know that. My wife gives her husband up for you. My daughter gives her father up for you. Willingly, knowing that it is a call, right? And in return, you are the only reason that we can do it the way we do it. So it's, it's actually mutual. It's, it's a mutual sacrifice, right? The, the ox, he's working. He's treading out the grain. And so let him eat, right? So it's, it's not a I'm above anybody. It's mutual. This is an exchange. This is a, a beautiful exchange. You call me one o'clock in the morning. I get up. I come to you. Why? Because you take care of my family as well. Even if you didn't, I would take care of you, right? I guess I shouldn't have said it that way. I would do it regardless, but I'm just saying. I, I did. I did. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. And so he goes on. Is God really concerned about the oxen? Isn't he really saying it for our sake? Yes, this is written for our sake. Because he who plows out ought to plow in hope, and he who threshes should thresh in hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it too much if we reap material benefits from, benefits from you? If others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? So he's looking at like the secular world. You pay for everything else. Everything you do, you pay somebody for it. I get a haircut, you pay somebody. You, you, you go get your nails done, you pay somebody. You go get, you know, you buy. Everything you have, everything you do this is an exchange. He's saying if we're pouring into you eternally, you know, you get your nails done, you got to go back two weeks later. Three weeks later, however y'all get down. Some of y'all one week later. Y'all need to work on that. But <laughs> that, that's temporary. That's going to fade away, right? But if we're so, sowing into you eternally, right, the things that cannot be taken away, if we're pouring into you eternally, then shouldn't we reap some type of benefit from you as well? This is going somewhere. This is going somewhere. You're like, oh, today's preaching on giving. No, it's not. Look at this. He goes, if others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. In other words, we have a right to be paid. 
But if, if this was a, 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 pe- a people gathered who struggled with ministers that maybe they came from some churches where they've been hurt by, by pouring in and giving that, that tithe or that offering into a ministry and the ministry going off and messing it up and, and doing wrong by it. If this was a church full of that, if, if that's what God called me to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to live off of the, the ministry. I'm going to go get a job. Why? I would give up that right for the gospel. This is going somewhere. Pay very, very close attention. He's naming his rights in Christ. I have a right. I have a right to be paid. To be paid according to what I'm doing is double honor if you want to get deep in the Bible. But I will forsake that so that I don't hinder the gospel. This is going somewhere. So he says, don't you know that those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple? So if you're a big Old Testament person, he's, he's, he's pressing into you right here. He's like, look, this ain't just a New Testament thing. This is an Old Testament thing because it's a Bible thing. It's a God thing, right? He says, don't you know that those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple and those who serve at the altar, altar share in the offerings of the altar in the same way the Lord has commanded, commanded, that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. It's a command. You know, love your, love your neighbor, you know, love your enemies, love, 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 love. Pay your pastor. I'm just playing. All right. So look at this. Look at this. Come back in. Come back in. For my part, I have used none of these rights, nor have I written these things that they may be applied in my case. So he's making, he's like, hey, I'm telling you what it is. This is truth. It's a command, Right? That, that those who preach the gospel should live by the gospel. But, but I'm not saying that so that y'all take care of me, Corinthian church. That's not what I'm saying it for. He goes on and he says, um, for it would be better for me to die than anyone to deprive me of my boast. For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast because I am compelled to preach. And woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if unwillingly, I'm entrusted with a commission. So he said, he said, look, God called me to preach the gospel. Now, everybody should be preaching the gospel, but some are called to literally be up here preaching the gospel to you. They're given a God-given desire. They're given a God-given gift. It is not because they're super educated. It's not because they're so... I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't come out of seminary. So anything that you're learning from me, it's got to go to him. I'm not that smart, period. period. I can't even spell period right now. Like, I'm not that smart, right? And so when, you, when you're getting something out of the word of God, when I'm preaching, that's the spirit at work. That is he who is in me working for you. You see that? And so what happens is he, sa- he, he looks at this and he says, I have this compelling passion to preach to God. Do you know how excited I get to tell you that all of you, y'all, want, y'all want equality? Y'all want unity? Here we go. Everybody in this room is a sinner. There we go. There we go. Everybody in this room is a you, 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 yep, you. You, especially you. Like, 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 yes, everybody in this room is a sinner. That's where the gospel starts, with unity. It's not the kind of unity we like. But everybody in this room is a sinner. I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care your skin color. I don't care, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care where you live. You are a sinner. And since we all are sick with the same sin sickness, we all need the same Savior, the same solution. His name is Jesus Christ. Right? Right? Okay. Okay. So, so, so that I get excited about that. But even if I didn't, I have a responsibility because God chose me to do it. Even if I, y'all think every time I come into church, I'm like, woo, can't wait to get up here and talk to people who ain't going to listen to me anyway. <laughs> there are days where I'm like, ask Brittany. Those are, those, are, those are my couch days. I wake up and I'm like, tired. Really don't want to be there. Had a bad conversation last night. Had a long week. It's pointless right now. Like I'm feeling like he's not talking to me. I'm feeling like he's not walking with me. I feel like I'm lonely. I feel like I'm sitting here fighting for you and you ain't standing up for me. And I don't want to preach on those days. 
But I got a responsibility no matter what my feelings feel like. No matter what my emotions are in the moment, no matter what's going on around me, he has chosen me to do this. And he died for me. The very least I could do is get over myself and preach the gospel. Y'all see where this is going? Y'all see where this is going? So he says, here he goes. He says, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if unwillingly, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward to preach the gospel and offer it free of charge and not make full use of my rights? My rights in the gospel. That's the context of where we're going to land. Here comes, here comes this, here comes the sermon. He just explained to you all of his rights in the gospel. All of the things that he can. Thank you. I deserve to be paid. I can drink. I can take a wife. I can do this. I can do this. I can do that. I, I deserve this. This is my right in the gospel. Jesus died so I could be this. Then he comes here and says, although, it's kind of looking back at everything he just says. He says, although I am free from all. Stop right there. This is where the sermon starts. I want you to think about what's going on in the world. And I'm only doing it because this is where we landed. This is where we landed, all right? I'm not picking anything. This is where we landed. I am free from all. This is where Christ has delivered each and every one of you who have called on him, right? See, as sinners, you are enslaved to the things of the world. You are enslaved to sin. You are enslaved to your flesh. So you know what? What they call me out there, it hurts when I'm a sinner. I'm enslaved to it. You call me the N-word. You tell me something about being black. You disagree with my struggles. All of that hurts when I'm of the world. When I'm of the world, all the things black people call me hurt. These trigger words. These things that they're throwing out there. Yeah, they, they puffed me up. They took down another monument. That puffs me up. All those things of the world when I'm in sin, all of those things, yeah, all of it hurts. You got people over here. I don't understand why black people are this, black people are that. Da, 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 they should get over it. Da, 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 da. That hurts. That flat out hurts. You got people over here. They talking about my grandfather and da-da-da and my, my rights, my privileges. This is our history, da-da-da. That hurts. That actually hurts. I, 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 but then right here with Christ, I'm free from all of that. Like real talk, I'm, I'm free. I'm free from that. My flesh still gets hurt and offended, but then I take those thoughts captive through Christ. My emotions still get hurt and offended, but I take that back through Christ. I, I, I still feel everything any black person in here feels, flat out. And, and my wife still feels anything any white person in here feels. And then we got to come together and bring it back and say, okay, where's Christ that has freed us from all of this when he died for us? That doesn't, that doesn't mean I have to negate who I am. Diversity is beautiful. I love seeing multi-ethnic, multicultural. This is what I cried for. But when we bring it in the church, diversity is dangerous if it doesn't die. You come in here, be different. That's cool. But everything about you must die to the word of God. It must die. It can't be on the sidelines just wait. No, it must die. You and and you got to take up your cross. He says, although I am free, is this what you came for? I mean, are you actually free? And look, it's not just a racial thing. Look, we cannot be going through any of the racial tension we're going through right now. Something else still has you enslaved. What else is it? Huh? What else is it? Is it, is it alcohol? Remember? Like, y'all saw my post 10 years sober. I'm free from thinking the bottle is what brings me joy. I'm free from thinking porn is how to satisfy myself. I'm free. You see how this is not just a racial thing, it's a sin thing? 
although I am free, that's your first question, are you actually free? Are you free? Free from what, Rashad? From this world. Do you reside in the heavenly places of Ephesians 1? Do you, do you remember Ephesians 2, where he says he, he made you alive, raised you up, and seated you in the heavenlies? Like, that is where you are right now in Christ? You are a citizen of heaven? You are free from this world. This is how you can go out there into the world, among the world, walk among the world, and be a light. Because while everybody else is enslaved and everything going on, you're free. And they start to ask you, hey, sister, as a wife of a cop, how are you getting through this? With what a lot of people are saying about your husband, how are you getting through this? How are you able to wake up? How are you persevering through this? I'm free. Jesus has my husband. Jesus has me. I'm free. Goes around, hey, sis, as a daughter of a pastor who's loud in the community, got you all out there, people coming to your job saying stuff to you about your father, people looking at you some type of way, talking about you at school because he ain't black enough, but he ain't white enough. How do you deal with that, sis? How can you still smile? How can you still go out there into the world? I'm free. I'm free. Hey, sis. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. How do y'all go to a predominantly white congregation right now? How can you still join a church and gather with people who possibly, based on some Facebooks, is coming at your culture, your history, your struggle? I'm free. It doesn't negate the pain. It doesn't negate the feelings. But it takes them and it surrenders them to the cross. Although I am free, Christ delivered Paul. Those who have placed their trust, their dependence in Christ are delivered. They're delivered. You if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, remember that is obedience, Lord, Savior, salvation. It's, a two, it's two things. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, you are free. I don't care what they call you at the lunch table, teenagers. I don't care what they call you at work. Do you know what I've been called over the last two weeks from trying to have conversations with people who don't agree with this view or that view? I've been called black racist activists by this view, and I've been called Uncle Tom, white-loving Negro by this view, to my face. How do you keep having conversations with those people, which become all people? I'm free. Amen. You're just going to have to call me what you want to call me. They call Jesus the devil. The Bible says, hey, you're free, but just know this. If they hate you, Jeff, they hated me. Hey, hey, Peter, I didn't come to bring peace. Those who are in here doing the will of the Father with me, that's my mother. That's my sisters. That's my brothers. Because your family turning on you too. I'm free. This is freedom. This is what freedom looks like. It still hurts, it still weeps, it still cries, it still gets angry, upset, because I'm human, but I'm free. Now look at this. Although I am free from all, that's everything, he goes on and says this, and not anyone's slave. Don't take, don't, don't, it's bond servant, I got you, slave, doulos, we did that study, right? Slave. I'm nobody's slave. Nobody, nobody in this room owns me. I'm free from that. Christ is the only one that owns me. God's the only one that owns me. But look what Paul says. He says, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Wait a minute. Is this what you came for? Are y'all ready to be a real church? 
I, I'm free from anything you say to me. I'm free from anything you try to say I have to be right now in this world. They're saying, hey, pick a corner. Pick a corner. We're in a room. I need everybody who feels this way to go to that corner. Well, what if I kind of feel that way too? No, pick a corner. Everybody that feels that way, pick that corner. And then that corner and that corner. Pick a corner. Well, what if I kind of agree with something? No, no. The world says you cannot be that. You're not free. You need to pick a corner and stick to your corner. I don't either. But Paul says, I'm free from all of those corners. I'm not a slave to anyone. But then look at this. But then look at this. That's his right to be free from everyone. And he says, but I have made myself a slave to everyone. Whoa, we got, uh-oh. I don't know if y'all here for that. I'm here for it. You sure about it? Because now, now I, I've made myself a slave to everyone. I, I, remember, he just talked about all the rights he has in the gospel. I got a right to stand up for this. I got a right to get paid. I got a right, I got a right, I got a right, I got a right, I have a right, I have a right. But I will make my sl- myself a slave to everyone. I will surrender my rights to everyone. Everyone. Why, why would you, why? If you're free, why would you ever do that? Well, let's let Paul tell us. Paul says, in order to win more people. In other words, if, if you go back to verse 12, where he says, Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. He lives it out right here. I've made myself a slave to everyone in order to win people. The num- your number one mission as somebody free in Christ is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. You're free to be his. And he gave you a command, soldier. So no matter how you feel and your emotions and all of that, which you do not negate, you still have a command. You still have a mission. Make disciples. Make disciples. Amen? Amen. So let's let's just look at this real quick, and then I'm going to get out of your way. Here we go. He says, stop it. (laughs) He says, look at this. He gives examples because to just say it is one thing. And now he gives examples. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jew. In other words, the Jews would have had the Jews. And and I go, he he says, "Also, also, also to those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. So let's just put those together real quick, right? Like, this is, this is like, if, if you know some, some Bible here, you can jump back in Acts. And in Acts, um, when, he, when he's sitting down and he's talking to some of the other apostles and they're discussing, like, like how he's reaching the Gentiles, and they kind of disagree with it. And even though he knows it's right, they say some things like, hey, you need to pay. You need to go take this vow and have your hair cut as well. And, uh, so, not that one yet. Not that one yet. Hold on. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. But, but, but right here, and um, let, me, let me see. Let me think. Of, uh, let's try Acts 21. We're going to be naked and unashamed. Let's try it. Let's try it. Uh, Acts 21. Maybe, maybe. Conflict over the Gentile mission. All right. Look at this. Look at this. Um, it says, when they heard it about everything that Paul had been doing, they glorified God and said, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed and they are, they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses. So there are some, some things that they thought that Paul was saying, telling them not to circumcise, thank you, Josh, um, their children or to live according to our customs. So what is to be done? What is to be done? 
they will certainly hear that you've come. Therefore, do what we tell you. All right, so he doesn't have to do this, but look, look what he does. It says, we have four men who have made a vow. Take these men, purify yourself along with them, and pay for them to get their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that, that what they were told about you amounts to nothing, but that you yourself are also careful about observing the law. With regard to the Gentiles who have believed, we have written a letter containing our decision that they should keep themselves from food, sacrifice to idols, from blood, from what is strangled, and from sexual immorality. So the next day, Paul took the man, having purified himself along with them, and entered the temple, announcing the completion of the purification days when the offering would be made for each of them. So, so the next day, Paul, Paul went and did what they asked him to do. He didn't have to. Like, like that, didn't, that didn't get him right with God to get that. He didn't have to do that. He surrendered. He lived out what we have right here. He lived it out. He's, he's, if, if that's what's hindering the gospel, then cool, I'll do it. For example, this is how I dress at church on the rock. There's a church down the street that will say, Rashad, will you please come preach? We really need to hear blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> can you please wear a suit? <laughs> because I know that you're teaching truth. You know that you're teaching truth. But those people may only see you in your Jordans and and they, they, they're just not, I know it's not right, but they're just not going to listen to you. Now, I got two decisions. I can kick the door in, bam, take it, right? Or I could say, if that's going to hinder the gospel, I'm going to throw a suit on. I don't have to throw a suit on. I'm free to not put a suit on. But I let go of that freedom to win some people that want to see me in a suit so that they can hear me. Why? That's my responsibility. If my number one mission is to not hinder the gospel and to win people. We see it again. Like, because you got you to be careful with this. You're like, well, how far do I go? Well, look at this. With Timothy, when Paul met Timothy, he knew where he was going to be and who he's going to be around. So he made sure Timothy was circumcised. Timothy didn't have to be circumcised. But if that's what it took for Timothy to be able to engage and to reach these people, then Timothy needs to get circumcised. But on the other hand, Titus, another one, did, he, he told Titus, you better not get circumcised because Titus would be doing it from the sake of appeasing people thinking it's needed for salvation. There's a difference. There's a difference. Like you can read both instances. With Timothy, get circumcised. We're trying to reach these people. With Titus, he's like, no, 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 no. That's Galatians 2. He's like, no. If, if, it's, if people think it's a matter of salvation, we can't compromise truth. So in the same way, in the same way, I become all things to all people. I surrender my rights to all people, but I ain't compromising God. I'm not compromising truth. And so you got to start wrestling with what that is because truth is not your opinion. Truth is not your feelings, your emotions. Truth is the word of God. Period. So while, we, while you're sitting here fighting for some things that aren't truth, it's opinion. Like, think about that. Some, so I'm just I'm stepping on some toes here. That's okay. I stepped on mine all week long. I understand if I'm over here and I disagree, statues are being torn down. I get it. Monuments, our history is being torn down. Got you. But if you're so upset about a statue, a graven image being taken down, that you no longer can have a conversation to win somebody for the gospel over here, you are no longer arguing for truth. You are no longer trying to reach people with the gospel. You hurt over some idols. This is an idol for you. This is a flat-out idol for you. All right, let me come down here. I can speak, I can speak for myself on this one. I'm a black man. You didn't know that? <laughs> Colorblind. Like. As a black man, y'all see my post. I don't hide it. I taught, I taught most of Brownsburg on what Juneteenth was. Talked about the plantation, talked about the systematic things from the plantation that still impact us today. I'll tell you about it over and over and over, and I will not, I will not compromise from that, but 
My ethnicity is not my idol. I will never be so black that I can't reach. Jonathan, right now you are a white person who doesn't like me. Get over it. (laughs) I will never be so black that I won't put that to the side for the sake of the gospel. Doesn't mean I negate truth and all of that, but I put it to the side to win this brother with the gospel because I'm after soul solutions. See how both are in error? And this is where we're supposed to be as Christians. You don't have to negate your whiteness. You don't have to negate your blackness and your everything in between this to do that. It's beautiful. You don't even have to negate your views. You do have to give up everything for the sake of the gospel. If you don't agree with that, then I have a question. Is this what you came for? This is the Bible, y'all. This is not my agenda. He goes on and says, look at this. To those who are without the law, like one without the law, though I'm not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. So he's like, look, y'all, I will even go to the extreme of being with the tax collector and the sinner and all of that, but I won't tax collect and sin. I got people who talk about me because I make beats. I make hip-hop beats, so I'm in the studio with people who are weed smokers, alcoholics, talk about things that aren't right. And while we're in this box, this box saying, oh, why would a pastor hang out with them? They like hip-hop. I like hip-hop. I make beats. They want the beats. And it gives me access to their souls. Well, what if people think that you're smoking weed with them? They're going to think what they're going to think. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. What if they think you're drinking? I'm not. They thought, they thought Jesus, they thought some things about Jesus sitting down with them, right? Like, think about this. Here's a, here's a, here's a, let me give you this story. 16-year-old girl, pregnant, wants to get an abortion. Say, hey, I'm, I'm not with abortion. I, I, I don't want you to have this abortion. It's wrong. I don't agree with abortion. I mean, there's, hey, look, we can adopt for you. We can find somebody to adopt. We can do all these good things. Then she tells you, my father is the father. You see that? What, what do you do with that? What do you, because I'm, I'm still not, for, but man, I can't imagine, which, what do you do with that? You've given the counsel. I still, I still think there's another way that we can get through that, but I can't imagine what you're going through right now. So here's the thing. I've, I've given you the counsel. I've prayed with you, and whatever you decide in that moment, wherever you land in that moment, if you do, if you still feel you have to go through with that abortion, guess who's walking out that clinic with you? And going to love you through the rest of it. Not because I agree with abortion, but because I want to be there with you. Mm-hmm. You see that? But you see how me walking out that clinic with that 16-year-old, and if somebody sees me, all of a sudden I support abortion, even though they don't know the backstory that I tried to console her through that, tried to counsel her out of that, she still made the decision and nobody else is there because mom doesn't know she's pregnant by her father. Three, three siblings, three baby siblings. Who, who knows what that would do to their life? And 16-year-old girl, what do I do? I've given you my counsel. Now I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to weep when you weep. I'm just going to mourn when you mourn. I'm not going to give you statistics. I'm not going to tear you down. I'm just going to love you. Because I don't know what else to do right now. I'm broken. I'm over here. You're over here. And I, I don't agree. But I'm just going to love you. I'm just going to be things to all people. I'm not committing the sin. I'm not condoning the sin, but I'm going to love you through it all because now I may have an opportunity to win you with the gospel. And even after that abortion, if you so choose to do that, there's still a soul I'm trying to save. What do you do with those situations? You don't condone and you don't compromise the gospel. You don't condone or compromise the commandments of God, but be with the people. Jesus did it. Look, read the gospels again. Just read through them and watch how he navigated stuff. There's a woman about to be stoned for adultery. He stands in between them and says, if you you ain't got no sin, then you can cast the first stone. 
Everybody got to walk away. So he stood up for her in her adultery and yet told her, now go and sin no more. I still recognize that as a sin. He didn't compromise the truth. That's, this is where we need to be. He goes on and says, to the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. Now, the weak, we think in American church, the weak is the real studious. Uh-uh. If you go read Romans 14, the weak are the ones who are overly strict because they don't feel that freedom in Christ. I can't eat this. I can't wear that. It has to be on this day. It has to be that way. So before we get back to what some of you call regular church, realize, first of all, if you've enjoyed the way we've been doing it, if we get back to some kind of structure, it's not because we're giving in to those who are upset that we don't have a uh, 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 uh. It's because we understand that there are some who are still weak in that area. I, I'm sorry, Rashad, I know what you're trying to do, but I just don't think this is the way we're supposed to be doing it. No problem. And we know that there's a lot of people like that. And I'm not even, even right now, I don't want you to feel anything. But we, we will meet some halfway right there because we don't want to lose you simply over not having slides. We'll put some slides up, right? It's okay. But at least now you're being exposed so that you can work through that and we'll work through it together. To the weak, I became the weak. If you don't eat meat and, and, and you're inviting me over to your house and told me to bring, to bring some a main, I'm not bringing chicken. You don't eat meat. I'll bring a salad. Even though I know I can eat all the, I know I can eat meat. You know what I mean? Like I know I can eat meat. But I'll forego that meat and bring veggies. Why? Because why would I be trying to cause you to stumble? Right? And, and, and so some of y'all on Facebook, I get, I get all the stuff, the knowledge you know and all that, but come on, y'all. Like you're, you're, you're damaging each other. You're doing more damage in here than you are to the people who don't know you. There's people in the community who don't even know you. But there's people in here who absolutely know you. And if you go back to last week, you got something to If a post offends you that much, because they're out there, call the person. Don't respond on faith. Call the person. Hey, sis. Hey, bro. Ah, I'm, I'm struggling with that one. Call them. This Facebook courage stuff? Are you serious? Call the person. Because you know what? You may not get off that phone call in agreement, but you'll have a better understanding of each other, and you might even come out winning your brother. What's more important, that you show somebody up on Facebook or that you get face-to-face and you win each other? Hey, hey, I don't necessarily agree with you. No, no, Clinton, I don't necessarily agree with you. I think these Jordans are dope, but I ain't going to call you out in public. Y'all catch that? (laughs) I'm done with him. All right, let's finish this up, y'all. Let's finish it up. He goes, to the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel so that I may share in the blessing. So look at this, y'all. Let's finish it right there. He says, I do all things by every means possible that I may win some. I'm trying to put myself in a position to win more souls. I have my own views, stances, all that stuff, and I have a right to have those views, stances, and all that stuff. But my ultimate goal is to win souls for the kingdom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you understand how in the midst of that, you can still move and shake how you got to move and shake, but you surrender it when you see it become something that stands between you and winning a soul individually. I'm doing this thing called Convos. Uh, put out on Facebook, I said, hey, all this division in our community, I will meet with anybody willing to meet one-on-one, and you have a safe space to say whatever you want. I've been told by the uh, opening conversation I'll give you, the person said, I'm going to tell you flat out, I don't like black people. I said, okay. He said, you still want to have a combo? I said, yeah, we got an hour and a half. <laughs> he said, no, listen to me, I don't like black people. I was like, okay. He said, so now what? I was like, why? <laughs> and he told me his background, I'm protecting the background. He told me the background, I was like, that makes sense. 
He said, hold on, you're black and you're saying that makes sense? I said, yeah, it makes sense. And then I said, so, so why did you want to have this convo? And he said, well, I'm tired of black people blaming things that have happened to happened to them in the past for what's going on right now. They just need to own up, suck it up. And I was like, okay. I said, do you realize you don't like black people because of what's happened to you in the past? And in that moment, he didn't walk away in agreement. He still disagreed, but he said, I understand. You see that? He said, I understand. And then he asked me at the end, he said, why would you put yourself out there like this? And just like that, there's the gospel. Because Jesus put himself out there like this for me. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, when I was telling Jesus, I don't like Christians. I don't like your rules or your Bible. I don't like God. I don't like holiness. That's, that, that moment, that's when he died for me. So the least I can do is endure your comments. That hurt. They still hurt. But I can endure them, die to myself, take up my cross so that we can have a conversation where for this moment before you before you get in your car, this moment is why, why I did it. This moment right here to let you know that I'm doing this because of what he's done for me. He, didn't, he, he still doesn't agree with anything. He still walked away. I don't know if he likes black people more or not, but he gave me a hug. And at least I dropped a seed. Prayerfully, I get to heaven and I see him. And I get another hug. He, he, he went on to post some things later on that still hurt. It is what it is. I have a right to be upset with that. I have a right, but I also have a responsibility not to comment on his post <laughs> and to pray for him and say, hey, that, that's unfortunate that he's still posting that, but I ain't got to respond to it because I know other people are watching me. And if I have a responsibility to them, like you have a responsibility to each other, then I will give up my right to respond to his post to call him out. Instead, I'll be an example, and hopefully I get another conversation on why that post doesn't make sense. This is what it looks like to be his. Not yours. To be his. I'm asking that you join me in being his. Because when you are, you don't have to side with anything. Just side with Jesus and the rest falls in place. I want to be able to stand before Jesus and say, even when everything was going on in 2020, because this has been a crazy year, I did my best to stand with you. I got isolated from my family. I got outcasted from my friends. There are church members who no longer believe I am a man of God and all these other things because I sided with you. That's where the walk with me, Lord, comes in. Talk with me, Lord. Be my friend, Lord, because I'm losing them every single day right now. And that's why we as a church have to be here for each other by siding with Jesus. So let's pray. Um, thank you for, I know I went a little long there. Uh, I hope you didn't feel it, but um, let me just pray for us and get us up out of here. Heavenly Father, um, I come to you humbled and broken. I come to you in awe of how much you don't need me to do your work. This week, Father, I, I didn't, I didn't do my normal of making sure I felt comfortable and ready to preach your word. I just wanted to depend on you. Just open the Bible and take the conversations I had had with loved ones about those verses and just let you have your way with my heart, their hearts, so that we were in unity in the spirit. And Father, I believe you showed up this morning. Father, we are so confused to belong to you, to believe the things in your word, and yet be so divided because our emotions, our feelings, and even truth, Father, seems to be so blurred right now for us. And we ultimately believe that you are the only solution. So please, Father, challenge us in our idolatries, 
our ideals that are being attacked that we want to defend. Challenge us, Father, in our emotions and our feelings. Father, point us back to your word and not the world. May we get more instruction from the Bible and not the media. And may we actually surrender when you speak. Not just when it agrees with us, but even when it disagrees with us, knowing that you are truth. You are love. You are life. You are peace. You are unity. Father, I, I trust this world in your hands, and I know I have a responsibility to stand up for what is right. May I please, along with everyone in this room, only stand up for what you consider right and not just what I feel is right. Your ways are not our ways. May we surrender to that truth. May we continue to follow your son Jesus in everything that we've seen him do in his life, in his ministry, in his example. It's in his name we pray. Amen.